Good morning, good morning. How are we doing? Awesome, awesome. So here we are in this series, My Life, His Life. And this morning, guess what we're going to talk about? My what? His time. Pastor Jason, would you please do me the honors this morning? Now, this is an hourglass. If you can set it right up, this is an hourglass. That means I have an hour to preach. Not really. Maybe we can speed this thing up a little bit. But we're going to talk about time this morning. Okay? How our time is really not our time when we become believers in Jesus. Our time is really His time to invest in His purposes. So that's where we're going this morning. I want to take you to the Old Testament today, to 2 Kings chapter 20. 2 Kings chapter 20, and we're going to look at a king named Hezekiah. And let me give you a little background to what's going on in the nation of Israel at that time. Israel was divided into two kingdoms. There was the northern kingdom called Israel and the southern smaller kingdom called Judah. And Hezekiah was king of Judah, that smaller kingdom. And the Bible says that that Hezekiah did what was right in the eyes of God. Some of the things that he did right was he he renewed the covenant that God had made with Israel. Well, he, he renewed the covenant with on, on behalf of Israel and he restored the temple worship. He uh, started the Passover celebration once again and he tore down all the pagan idols in the land. He was an amazing king. A godly king for Judah. And now Hezekiah faced his biggest challenge as the king of Judah. And the challenge was this. The Assyrian Empire was taking over the world. Everywhere they went, they were, they were conquering and they were taking. In fact, they had, they had captured Israel, the northern kingdom. And now they were threatening Judah and threatening Jerusalem. And this was perhaps the, the biggest leadership challenge that Hezekiah had ever faced. And here we pick up the story. In 2 Kings chapter 20, verse number 1, we're reading from the New Living Translation this morning. And about that time... Hezekiah became deathly ill. Not a good time for a king to get ill. Facing the largest challenge in his life, King Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, was threatening Jerusalem, and now Hezekiah is ill. And the prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz, went to him, or went to visit him. He gave the king this message. This is what the Lord says. Set your affairs in order, for you are going to die. You will not recover from this illness. And when Hezekiah heard this, he he turned his face to the wall and he prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I have always been faithful to you and have served you single mindedly, always doing what pleases you. And then he broke down and he wept bitterly. Verse four. But Isaiah. But before Isaiah had left the middle courtyard, the message came to him from the Lord. Go back to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, and tell him this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David, says. I have heard your prayer and have seen your tears, and I will heal you. And three days from now, you will get out of bed and go to the temple of the Lord. Verse six. I will add fifteen years to your life. I will rescue you in this city from the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my own honor and for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah said, 
Make me an ointment from figs. And so Hezekiah's servants spread the ointment over the boil and Hezekiah recovered. Verse number eight. Meanwhile, Hezekiah had said to Isaiah, what sign will the Lord give to prove that he will heal me and that I will go to the temple of the Lord in three days from now? And Isaiah replied, this is the sign from the Lord to prove that he will do as he promised. Would you like the shadow on the sundial to go forward 10 steps or backward 10 steps? The shadow always moves forward. Time always speeds ahead, right? Hezekiah replied, so that would be easy. Make it go back 10 steps. So Isaiah the prophet asked the Lord to do this, and he caused the shadow to move 10 steps backwards on the sundial of Ahaz. I want to talk to you this morning about redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. When I begin to treat my time as his time to accomplish his purposes, I have discovered that God can do miracles with time. So this morning, I want to talk about redeeming the time. How many of you would like to redeem some lost time? Hmm? Redeeming the time. I want to make some observations about time. I want to give you some advice about time and then finish with some hope. Few observations. Number one, our time is one of the most precious resources that God has given to us. It is a precious resource because it is a limited resource. We only have a set amount of time. And all of us have the same amount of time. You can make more money, but you can't make more time. Right? You can save money, but you can't save time. You can only spend it. And you can only spend it once. And just like money, we spend our time in different ways. So the first observation about time is this. It is one of the most precious gifts that God has given. And the reason it is precious is because it is limited. We can't make more time. We can't save time. We can only spend the time that God has given to us. The second observation is simply this. Our time spent reveals our values. Our time spent reveals our values. It reveals what is important to us. If you want to find out what's important to a person, don't ask them. Look at their calendar. Look at their schedule. Look at the way they spend their time. And you will quickly find out what's important to a person. You know, I find many people in, in the body of Christ, they'll say, you know what? God's mission is, is really important to me. God and his mission is really important to me. But then you look at the time that they spend. And a lot of their time is spent on things that are not related to God's mission. And I have found this in my own life. There are, there are many things that I enjoy doing. And I can give myself to them for hours and days and maybe even years. <laughs> and how many of you know God has given us incredible things for our enjoyment? He's given us creation to enjoy, not to worship, but to enjoy. And I enjoy creation. I can spend hours, I can spend days in creation. I love it. I enjoy it. But I also realize that I can give myself fully to something that really doesn't make an eternal difference. So let's enjoy things, right? But let's not worship those things. Here's some practical advice about time. Four things. The first thing is this. Invest your time in your calling. Invest your time 
in your calling. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 says this. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Do not act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. What he wants you to do may be different than what he wants me to do. And when it comes to time, we have to ask ourselves the question, what does God want me to do? How does he want me to spend my time? Have you ever asked that question to God? God, how would you like me to spend this day? I've got a friend, Jim and Kathy Hobson, out in Des Moines, Iowa. They are the, the executive directors of The Ultimate Journey. And I remember Kathy Hobson telling the story one day about how every day she would get up and she would give her day to God. And she would say, God, what do you want me to do today? And, and oftentimes it was ministry, it was study, it was this, it was that. It, was, it was, had to do with this ministry that God had given them charge over. And one morning she wakes up, God, what do you want me to do with today? And God replied back to her, what do you want to do today? And she said, I want to go shopping. I want to go shopping. And so guess what? The Lord said, well, let's go shopping then. Come on, ladies. Come on now, huh? Let's go shopping with Jesus. What would that look like, right? Let's go shopping together. Let's do this thing together. And God just said, you know, what do you want to do today, Kathy? Right? Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that maybe someday God, some days God would say that to you. Well, what do you want to do today? Well, I just want to take the day off and rest. Okay, then let's rest together. Right? I want to watch a movie. Does Jesus go to movie theaters? He does when I go. Right. (laughs) Come on. Can I get a witness this morning? Huh? Right. What does God want you to do? Ask him that question. What does he want you to do? Invest your time in your calling. Look at this. Ephesians chapter four, verse one. Ephesians four, one. Therefore, I, Paul writes, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. You have been called by God. What does that mean? Well, the context, Paul is talking about how we are also prisoners of the Lord, how we also belong to God. How many of you know your first calling is you are a disciple of Jesus Christ? That is your first calling. Think about this for a moment. What do people call you? Well, they... People call me, they call me, um, they call me husband. My wife calls me husband. My kids call me father. And many of you call me pastor, right? There's three examples of my calling. Some of you are called son or daughter. Some of you are called student. Some of you are called doctor. Some of you are called craftsman, right? Are you with me this morning? God has given you various callings, okay? But your primary calling is what Jesus called you. He said, follow me. Follow me. He called his disciples followers. He called them disciples. He called them learners of him. Our primary calling is always that first of a disciple. 
Now, here's what we do with our callings. We have to put our callings in order of priority. I will always be called husband, but I may not always be called pastor. I will always be called. Now, don't don't. Yeah, I'm not resigning. All right. I may not always be called pastor. I may at some day be called evangelist. Yeah, that sounds like me. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Right? <laughs> I will always be called father, right? But I may not always. See, so we have to, I will always be called disciple of Jesus. Always. Always. God forbid, if it should happen to me what happened to, to Job where he lost his wife and he lost all of his children. How many of you know? He didn't lose his title of follower of Jesus. I will always have that title. That is my primary calling. And you have to make your primary calling your priority, no matter what happens. Indiana Governor Mike Pence. Now you're going to get nervous because I'm getting political here. I'm not getting political. He's the GOP vice president nominee. He spoke at the Republican National Convention. He introduced himself as such. I am a Christian. I am a conservative. I am a Republican in that order. Now, regardless, regardless of your political party or your political persuasion, you have to respect that. You have to respect that because he understands his callings, and he knows how to prioritize his callings. What are your callings? Begin to think about them right now in order of priority. What would that look like for you? You know, I've never met someone who said, uh, you know, I wish I worked more. They're looking back over their life. I wish I, I worked more. I wish I made more money. Have you ever met somebody like that, right? What I usually hear is, man, I wish I would have spent more time with so-and-so. I wish I would have invested more in people's lives. I wish I would have spent more time with my kids. I wish I would have trained them to do this. Why is it so difficult to give someone our time? Rick Warren said this, he says, when you give someone your time, you're giving them a portion of your life that you'll never get back. Your time is your life. That is why it is the greatest gift you can give someone is your time. And I think sometimes that's why we don't give our time to the people we love. Because we can never get it back. And sometimes we don't always see the value of giving up something that we can never give back. How many of you are busy? Raise your hand. You'd say, you know, I'm just really, really busy right now. Right? Most of you would say, I'm really busy. Isn't that interesting? How we're always, we always feel that. I feel that way. Right now, it's a very, very busy, busy season in our lives at our home. And the question that I have to ask myself is, yes, we're all busy, but are we busy doing the things that really matter? Are we busy doing the things that really matter? I asked Pastor Raphael uh, this last week. We've got a, a group that meets and, and we brainstorm what God is, is saying about messages. And I asked Pastor Raphael, what comes to your mind when you hear the word time? And he said this, he said, T-I-M-E, to intentionally manage eternity. 
And I said, man, did you come up with that? The Dominican came up with that. Can you believe that? I love it. I know I've got a great team. So he, yeah, he came up with that to intentionally manage eternity. Do you know that the only thing that we can take with us into eternity are people? And so when you think about managing your time to intentionally manage eternity, be thinking about relationships. My biggest regrets in life have to do with relationships. And the time spent or the time not spent in that area, in that arena. How many of you know what I'm talking about? There are so many pulls. There's so many things pulling us in so many different directions. And we have to fight for that time with the people we love. Husbands, you have to fight for that time with your wife where you can sit and listen. You have to fight for that time to, to sit with your kids. And I, I asked my son the other day as we were sitting and we had lunch together. We have lunch together every Friday. He's now in college and he's busy. So we have an appointment. Schedule an appointment with your kids. Imagine that. I never knew that would happen. But here we are. And so I'm asking him and I asked him the question. I said, what do you need from me? Levi, what do you need from me? And you know what his answer was? Time. I just need some time to bounce some things off of you, to just, you know, hear how you would approach this. He's, he's a young man. He's, he's making decisions about life. And, and he just needs time and he needs advice. Time. My greatest fear is not in failure, but in succeeding in the things that really don't matter. I don't want to get to the end of my days and look at over my time and go, you know what? I succeeded in things that, that really don't matter anymore. Our international community, one of the things I, I so respect about them is they value relationships. They re value relationships over getting things done. They value relationships over being somewhere on time. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Preach it. Preach it, pastor. Right? They get it. Many of them understand. And this white boy from Michigan needs to learn that lesson. Serious. I'm on schedule. I'm on time. Let's get things started. Let's have a plan. And guess what? Let's mow over everybody in our path to get there. Right? Let's walk all over relationships. Let's offend. Who cares? As long as we get there on time. Okay, that's how I'm bent. Somebody pray that I get saved. That would be very good. See, so I have to rewire this, this, this machine in me. And I have to slow down and go, okay, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to intentionally manage eternity by taking the time to be with people. And God called me to be a pastor. Somebody laugh. Ha, ha, ha. Why would the Lord do that, right? The second piece of advice I have is this. Take inventory. Take inventory, excuse me, of how you spend your time. Take inventory of how you spend your time. Why? To identify the time wasters or the time robbers in your life. What do you do when you want to know where all the money went? You track it. You save receipts, right? And you look at it at the end of the month. What do you do when you want to know where all the time went? Same thing. 
You have to track it. You have to take inventory of your time. So here's how. Real simple, practical advice on how to take inventory of your time. Take a sheet of paper or a spreadsheet. Make three columns on it. In the first column, write your days, your, 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 uh, your actual um, schedule of the day. Okay, your schedule in the first column. 6 a.m. And write your schedule in 30-minute increments from 6 to 6.30, 6.30 to 7, 7 to 7.30. And write that down. The time you get up to the time you go to bed, that's all on that right-hand or that left-hand column. In the next column, you write simply this, what I plan to do tomorrow. In the third column, what I actually did. I don't like that one. Right? First column, your schedule. Second column, what I plan to do tomorrow. Third column, what I actually did. And at the end of your day, you write in there what you actually did. And then you ask yourself the question, did I accomplish what I said I was going to accomplish? And if not, why? What were the time wasters? What were the time robbers that stole my time? You see, to know where your time went, you have to take inventory of your time. If you feel like time is just running your life, if you feel like you're a slave to the clock, right? You have to begin by taking inventory of your time. You have to see where you have this time debt, okay? And then you look at it and you go, okay, I need to make some changes. And I would challenge you to do that over three to five days, take inventory of your time. And you may find out that you spend a little more time on Facebook or Netflix than you thought you did, right? Or in that hobby that you, can just, you can't just live without. And here's what you have to ask yourself. Will it matter that I did this a week from now? Will it matter that I did this a year from now? And the big question, will it matter if I did this in eternity? Here's the deal about taking inventory of your time. Nobody really likes to do it. Someone once said, I hate making a schedule because it reveals how poorly I follow it. <laughs> That's so true. Redeeming the time is not always a fun process. Um, you really just kind of have to stare down those time wasters and go, you know what? Is that worth my time? Um, it involves repentance. It gets messy, but it always leads to redeeming the time. The third piece of advice I have this morning is learn to say no to the things that are not priority. Learn to say no to the things that are not priority. You know, Jesus had constant demands on his time. Needy people were everywhere, always begging for his attention. But in order to say yes to the mission that his father had given him, he had to say no to a lot of people. You need to hear this this morning. A great example of this is found in Mark's gospel, chapter one. We won't take time to read it, but I'll abbreviate it for you this morning. Jesus worked late into the night. One day he was healing the sick. He was casting out devils. He was preaching and he got up very early the next day and he went to a quiet place and he began to pray. And the disciples came to him while he was praying and they said, they said, master, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied and he said this. He said, let's go somewhere else. Let's go somewhere else. Everyone is looking for you. Everyone wants you to come back. Not everybody got healed. Many, the Bible says, got healed. But not everyone in that community got healed. Not everybody got delivered. Not everybody got their needs met. And Jesus didn't go, oh no, we better go back. He said, let's get out of here. That's what he said. He said, let's go. Let's leave. Let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Listen, you don't need to be afraid to say no. 
And it was easy for Jesus to say no because he had decided ahead of time what to say yes to. Jesus told his disciples at one point, he said, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. There's work to be done. What work has God called you to do? What calling do you need to be focusing on this morning? See, at the end of the day, Jesus didn't have any unfinished business left to do. He didn't say, I I need more time. I'm not ready for the cross. No, he said, it is finished. He knew how to get the most important things done because he knew how to say no. How many of you find it difficult to say no? It's difficult, isn't it? Difficult to say no. Jesus, at the end of his at the end of his life, he said this. He said to the father in heaven, he prayed. It was in John chapter 17. And he said, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work. I have brought you glory, father, by completing the work that you have given me to do. What work has God given you to do while you live on planet earth? I want to be able to say on my deathbed, if you will. Father, I've given you glory by completing the work that you have given me to do. In order to say yes to what's most important to my calling as pastor over the years, I've had to say no to a lot. I've had to say no to and it's no sacrifice in light of all that God has given to me. But I've had to say no to the home in the country. I've had to say no to the hobbies for a season that I love to enjoy. I had to say no to the privacy that I enjoy. And we've had all kinds of changes happen in our family and all kinds of our life because we've said yes to the calling of God on our lives. Where our kids go to school, where we live, our schedule, how we spend our money, all kinds of things have had to change because we've said yes to the mission. But can I tell you, how many of you know it's easy to say no when there's a deeper yes burning within you? It's easy to say no to all these things when there's a deep yes. Yes, Lord. Listen, always say yes to the Lord and always say no to quitting. Always say yes to the Lord and the call that God has put on your life as a husband, as a father, what those callings of occupation are. Always say yes to what God has called you to do. The fourth piece of advice this morning is this. Don't confuse activity with accomplishment. Don't confuse activity with accomplishment. I want to take you to Luke chapter 10 this morning as we wrap up. Luke chapter 10 is a story about Mary and Martha, but I want us to see it in a little different light this morning, as I believe God would have us to do. Reading from the New Living Translation. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted. Somebody say distracted. Distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. 
There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Martha was caught in what I call the activity trap. She was confused and thought that activity means accomplishment. I think sometimes we are so busy in activities, but we're really not accomplishing anything worthwhile. How many of you understand? She was distracted, the Bible says. She was worried, the Bible says. She was upset. She was distracted. She was worried. She was upset. How many would say that describes most every day of your life? Right? And Jesus said this, only one thing is worth being concerned about. Listen to me for a moment. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says this, there is a time for everything under the sun. There's a time for every matter under the sun. Can I tell you, there, there, is, there is a time to be concerned about everything, but you can't be concerned about everything all at the same time. You can only be concerned with one thing at a time. And Jesus was telling Martha, you need to pick what you're concerned about. Some of you are like, well, I'm concerned about this and concerned about that and concerned about this and all, all these things. And it feels like just it's crushing you, right? You're distracted, you're worried, you're upset. You've got to pick the one thing today I'm going to focus on, the one thing I'm going to be concerned with. And for Martha that day, it was, it was Jesus said, don't be concerned about the big meal, be concerned with me. You know what's ironic is, is that Martha had invited Jesus into her home, invited Jesus into her home, and then she ignored him. Have we ever done that? We ever invited Jesus into our life and then and then we're so busy making this big meal for Jesus. This teaches me that it's more important what we do with Jesus than what we do for Jesus. And here Jesus is wanting Martha to understand, Martha, I'm going to the cross. He was days away from the cross, just a few miles outside of Jerusalem. He's not concerned about a big fancy meal. He just wants to be with the people he loves. Martha, there's one thing that you need to be concerned about, and that is just sitting with me and let's just sit and talk. Right. And for some of you this morning, that that needs to be your primary concern is just to sit and to listen at the feet of Jesus. That may need to be your primary concern. Your primary concern may be maybe your your marriage right now is 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 in a bad spot. And you've been ignoring that for a long time. And you need to say, you know what? That's going to be my primary concern right now. Or maybe there's something going on inside of your heart that if you don't deal with it, it's going to lead into some kind of addictive behavior or some kind of action that's going to hurt a lot of people. And maybe that needs to be your primary concern is dealing with some issues deep inside of your heart. And maybe you need to go to counseling or maybe you need to go to the ultimate journey or you need to sit down and talk with a trusted friend. What is the one thing that you need to be concerned about? Because you can't be concerned about everything right now. Pastor Robert Morris wrote that uh, God spoke. He said, God spoke to me one day and he said, you put everything else and everyone else on your calendar. But me. 
And so Pastor Robert Morris, he began to write God into his calendar. He began to write uh, God as an appointment in his calendar. Morning, maybe noon, maybe night. He began to write it into his calendar. This is an appointment, appointment I have with God every day. It's the most important appointment of the day. And what people would call and say, hey, can we do an early breakfast? He'd say, I'm sorry, I already have an appointment at that time. He didn't say, well, I can't do that today because I'm going into the Holy Holies at 7 a.m. You know, to commune with the living God. I've got my priorities straight. How about you? You know, he didn't do that. He said, you know what? I've got an appointment at that. I'm sorry. Can we look at another time? And he began to do that. And that was the one thing that God was speaking to him about. The one thing. Don't be surprised when people criticize you for focusing on the one thing. Whatever that one thing is. Don't be surprised when people criticize you. Martha was criticizing Mary. Mary should be in here. Mary should get, you know, have all these activities. Mary should be busy like me. If Mary was going to be, you know, a productive person in society, she would be busy. She'd be doing this, 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 all of this. She should be doing this too. Listen, people will criticize you when you say, you know what? This is the one thing I'm going to focus on in my life right now. They're going to say, well, what about my time? Or what about this? Or what about that? You say, you know what? No, this is what God is saying. I've got to focus on my calling right now. Some of you are building a career. Some of you are going to school. That's your one thing. My wife is going to school. She's working on her doctorate. She's had to say no to a lot of things to say yes to that. And some people don't understand that. Most people do, but some don't. They're like, I don't get it, right? People will not understand you when you say, you know what? This one thing I must do. Paul said this to... Uh, I think it was in Philippians. He said, you know what? Not that I've already attained all this or I've already been made perfect. But this one thing I do, I forget what's behind me and I strain forward to what's ahead. I strain to take hold of that for which God took hold of me. This one thing I do. I want you to walk away this morning going, you know what? This is the one thing I need to do. Not three things, not five things. One thing I know I need to give my attention to. It might be a son. It might be a daughter. It might be your financial situation. It might be your time with Jesus. But what is that one thing? Small groups are going to be talking about that tonight and all throughout the week. What is that one thing? I want to close with this this morning. Sometimes we don't value the time that God has given to us until our time has run out. And the Lord said to Hezekiah through the prophet Isaiah, put your affairs in order. You're going to die. Put your house in order. The NIV puts it. You are going to die. What if God spoke to you today and said, put your house in order. You're going to die. You only have weeks to live. What would you do in those weeks that you have left to live? Here's what Hezekiah did. The first thing that he did is, is the Bible says that he turned his face. He must have been in bed and he couldn't leave the room. He turned his face towards the wall and he prayed to God. He prayed to God and the Bible says, and he wept bitterly. Why did he weep bitterly? Was it because he was afraid of death? No, he wasn't afraid of death. I was at the hospital just on Friday and visiting with with uh, Pete Curtis and his wife, his wife, Nancy, and she and uh, Pete had been diagnosed um, about three weeks ago with leukemia. And. It was the kind that's a rare kind of leukemia. 
And it's a very terminal kind of leukemia. They have given him four weeks to live. Okay? He got the news that Hezekiah received. Four weeks to live, maybe four months at the most. Right? But here's the deal. Pete Curtis is not afraid to die. He says, Pastor, I am at total peace and he began to explain a dream that he had about how, how he experienced this peace of God in this dream. And ever since then, he has not been no afraid of death, no fear of death at all. Just the complete peace of God. But he did start talking about his bucket list. You know what a bucket list is? Right? It's what you want to do before you kick the bucket. Before you die. I began to talk about some of the things he'd like to accomplish in the few weeks, maybe the few months that he has. And I thought, you know what? The reason why, listen to me, the reason why Hezekiah wept bitterly is because he had a bucket list. He had a bucket list. Jerusalem was in a crisis. Sennacherib, king of Assyria, was threatening to to take over Jerusalem. And now Hezekiah has this illness. And here's the bucket list that Hezekiah had. He wanted to lead his, his country. He wanted to lead his nation. He wanted to lead Judah to freedom from the Assyrians. He wanted to see deliverance. At this point, listen to me, at this point in Hezekiah's life, he was only 39 years old. He had no sons yet. He had nobody who could step in and and be heir to the throne. He had no sons. He wanted to have sons. And and also the, the word of God at that day, the Old Testament scriptures were in disorder. They were not available to the common people. And and. And one of his his uh, bucket list was, I want to put the scriptures in order in a way that the people can read and understand. And all of those things he accomplished in the 15 years that God had given him. That is why he wept bitterly. He had a bucket list. God heard his cry. And the Bible says that something supernatural happened when Hezekiah prayed. And something supernatural happened, church, when God heard his cry. And God did something supernatural. And he he defied the laws of time. And he gave Hezekiah more of it. He gave Hezekiah more of it. He turned the sun dial back 10 steps and he added 15 years to Hezekiah's life. That tells me this morning, church, that God can redeem the time. Why? Because he's Lord of the time. Listen to me, some of you, you're looking back over your life with regrets and you're going, man, I wasted the time. I've talked to people who said, man, I was an alcoholic for so many years and I, and I abused people so many years and I threw money away over the years and I said things I wish I could take back from all those past years and you live with so much regret and you wish you could go back and redeem that time. And I want you to know this morning that, that you can give up today or you can pray. You can give up or you can pray. You can turn your face to the wall and you can pray to God like Hezekiah did. And you can weep bitterly and you can say, God, it's not over yet. God, I have a bucket list. I still have things that you want me to do. And listen, when you do that, the Bible says that God heard Hezekiah's prayer. God heard his cry and he answered his prayer. And I don't know how God does this, but he turned back the sundial 10 steps. I don't know if that's literally he turned the clock back 10 hours or just moved the shadow 10 hours. We don't know. But he added 15 years to his life. He healed him. 
He delivered Jerusalem. He restored Hezekiah. He gave him sons. He defended the city. Listen, God hears us when we cry. And here's my encouragement to you this morning as our worship team comes. I want to I want to pray with you this morning. Some of you are here this morning and you're just like, man, there's just so much wasted time behind me. And I want to pray for you this morning because I believe that God can do for you what God did for Hezekiah. I believe that God, in a sense, he can turn the clock back. God, in a sense, he can redeem redeem those days. He can redeem those hours. You may go, you know what? My kids are grown and I wasn't the dad I should have been or the mom I should have been. And I don't know what I can do now. Listen, I can tell you this. It's never too late. God can redeem the time. You can say, you know what? I can't control what happened back then, but I can control what's happening moving forward. God, give me the ability to redeem the time that I have in front of me. Listen, you can accomplish more in the second half of your life. You can accomplish more in the last third of your life. Are you with me this morning? You can accomplish more when you cry out to God. And you ask him to redeem the time. If that's your prayer this morning. And you say, Pastor, I just need God to redeem some lost time. It may have been about relationships. It may have been your calling. But you want God to redeem the time for you. If you would just stand to your feet right where you're at. I want to pray with you this morning. God, we cry out to you. We cry out to you. because you are the Lord of the time. And there have been many years that maybe we've thrown away, God, and things we've said that we shouldn't have said and things that we didn't say we should have said. God, moving forward, we want to see that time redeemed. And so, God, we ask that you would have mercy. We ask that somehow, God, you would, you would turn back the sundial in our lives, 10 steps. God, that you would somehow add and lengthen our days. God, that you would somehow enable us to do what's on that bucket list, God, that, that you've put in our hearts as you put in Hezekiah's hearts. God, it is not my time. It's, it's your time. It's your time, and we want to use it for your purposes. So not only heal those who are standing, but God, I pray that you would deliver their Jerusalem from the enemy. I pray, God, that just as you gave Hezekiah sons and daughters, that you would give those standing spiritual sons and daughters in the time they have, in the time we have left. God, I pray this morning that you would help all of us understand the one thing that we need to give our attention to right now. The one thing that we need to be concerned about. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now let's begin to sing about the greatness of our God. If God can do this for Hezekiah, God can do this for us this morning. Great are you, Lord.